0: What's up folks? On episode 16 of Thoughts from the Shade, we'll talk about the abomination that is the Philadelphia Eagles and their 28-22 loss to the Bucs. We'll regretfully continue to break down the Ben Simmons saga as the Sixers open their season. The Flyers are through two games and will offer some early observations. We'll talk across a wide range of topics in college football and round it out with some thoughts on the MLB playoffs. If you're enjoying the show, let us know. Follow us on Instagram and rate, like, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, this episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Go to shamrocksun.com and enter promo code SHADE in all caps when you are ready to pull the trigger on one of their big ass bottles of sunscreen.
1: I'm fired up, man.
0: Let's get into it. Welcome, everybody, to episode 16 of Thoughts from the Shade. Bomb's back. Uh, he's he's recovered. I believe he's energized. Um, energy wasn't fully there on the last Fade of the Shade episode, Bomb, Do you have anything to say for yourself? Or are you going to redeem yourself on this episode? How are you doing?
1: Now, I was a little under the weather. You know, I... I uh, the, the analogy I'd make is I was a lot like uh, Terrell Davis, uh, you know, uh, just, just battling a migraine. Um, you know, had to stay in the locker room for much of the day, but, uh, was able to gun it out, get some, get some pathetic picks out there in the public domain, but we're back. We're ready to rock and we got a lot to talk about.
0: That's right. We do got a lot to talk about. Um, we might as well just get right to it and, and start with, with the birds, uh, Thursday night at Lincoln Financial Field, the Eagles fell to the Tampa Bay Bucks by a score of twenty-eight to twenty-two, and we saw a lot in this game. But I first just want to say, uh, what an unbelievable backdoor by the Eagles! Uh, obviously, Bomb, you and I were were on Tampa Bay, and <laughs> I,
1: I actually doubled down if it gets to six and a half. <laughs> oh my God!
0: Like. It it's one thing if the Eagles go in and, and win the game outright or, you know, there was never a chance of Tampa Bay covering that
1: close. That's that's in the, they weren't the whole game.
0: They lost by six, but they, it wasn't a close game whatsoever. So that's just the biggest kick in the dick about about the entire bet, the entire game. Um, but the game itself sucked. Uh, I mean, Sirianni, I don't know what that guy does during the week. Like, is he watching any tape? Is he putting any game plan together? Or did he put one plan together, like for the Atlanta game, and that's what he's been been using the entire way? Because there's there's no adjustment. It's
1: the same he shit every little, week. He literally held everybody out of preseason, right? And like and like crafted up this like this game plan to take on the like literally the bottom of the barrel in the NFL, like to beat the beat the balls off the Atlanta Falcons. Hasn't done anything since. I told you this guy is S eight. He runs S eight.
0: Chip Kelly 2.0, he's got one one play on the oh, chart. Oh
1: no! Oh, hang on, hang on! Don't don't do Chip Kelly like that, all right? Like Chip <laughs> Kelly went to the playoffs. Chip Kelly had two ten and six years.
0: Yeah, with with a few ragtag rosters too. Um, but, but yeah, just just a lot of the same in terms of, of the offense. I mean, not running the ball. Um, Hurts looking lost back there, and uh, I don't think he's Free, free of blame, but he just drops back, and I think he makes one read, and then he's running for his life and, and throwing a ball out of bounds or throwing to somebody who's trying to make a tiptoe catch on the sideline.
1: Yeah, the, the worst part about Hurts when when he when he scrambles is, you know how Wentz had the the spinorama move where he just spun into sacks?
0: Like the slow Michael Vick move, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, like he had that, like, he, he, like, reversed to, like, his non-dominant field. And would spin into a sack, or he'd do like the bend over. Uh, that that was the Wentz move. The Hertz move is he drops back, he hits his back foot, and the minute the right tackle has anyone in his face at any moment, he sprints directly like backwards, to, like into his right hip, like 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 twenty yards like beyond the line, of, beyond the line of scrimmage. Like he just he just breaks into a dead sprint to the other sideline. Now, granted, to his to his dominant throwing arm. And then what? He's going to throw it 40 yards the other direction, the sticks. I mean, it's just it's so bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said it, That that's what it is. And, and, and it is so bad. I don't know. I don't know how people are, are racing down there after working all week on a Thursday night with work on Friday and paying 50 bucks to park and, and 15 for a beer and. Just getting cleaned out to to watch that complete slop, it's...
1: You, you, you heard what, what, what Marty and I did, right?
0: No, not, I didn't hear. So,
1: I know so you keep, weren't there. Keep in mind, I'm an Eagle season ticket holder. I haven't been to a fucking game yet this year, okay? I haven't been to a fucking game yet. Good on year. you. So, so Marty Marty and I are texting probably a week before the Tampa game, trying to figure out what we're going to do. We're both saying we don't want to go. Number one, I wouldn't want to go even if the team was good. Like that's just that is the worst game on the schedule, a Thursday night home game. Like a game nobody wants to go to. Um so so we're talking about, you know, what we're going to do. So we decide, all right, let's 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 post the tickets. Let's let's try to sell them on the marketplace. And uh <laughs> we sold them for a loss, which normally is is counter to what what we want to do, but we took it. We took a $10 hit on each ticket. And I said, "You know what? I feel great about that." I feel great about. it. If I had to give the fucking tickets, I wasn't. I refuse to get out and watch that on a Thursday night.
0: Yeah, I mean that's not terrible. The ten ten dollar L on the on the tickets. Save yourself the trip. Save yourself the misery, and just all the all the idiocy that that's that's going on down there. Um, I mean, we I don't. There's not that much to get into about the game. I mean, we everybody saw it. It stunk. Um, the bet didn't work out. The refs were bad. The refs have been bad in the NFL all year. Uh, I, I took note of the pass interference on Greg Ward in the end zone. Guy doesn't turn back to look for the ball. Kind of mauled him a little bit. I think it was in the second half. Um, and then there was a, a Watkins catch along the sideline where he tiptoed. And you saw the dirt come up. And, again, another guy standing right there. And he's he's waving the arms like this, like immediately. like it's Like it's no question. And they have to go to review it, and they call it a catch. Like it's just not not fun to watch, honestly. And the other thing that that I took note of was, I don't know what the Bucks were thinking at the point in the game. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. They were up twenty eight fourteen, and they had the ball around midfield, maybe slightly in the Eagles' territory, and they had like a fourth and, and three, fourth and four. Um, obviously, if the game's tied or, or, or they're down, they're going for it. Um, but in that situation with the with the anemic Eagles offense on the sideline, they they could punt it, pin them deep, set them all the way back. they went for it and they didn't get it. and I think that was the ensuing drive was the drive where the Eagles ran the ball a little bit, gave Sanders two carries, which I think probably netted like 30 or 40 yards and they went down and scored and went for two. And blew the cover uh, for 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 box ticket holders, but
1: well, that, that shows you how little the Buccaneers think of the Eagles. Like every every other time, you're just, I mean, if you're in a shootout, you're going for it, right? Yeah. I mean, Eagles' offense did nothing. Like, why would you not pin? They they literally were like, you know what? Let's go for it. Like, we're gonna need to get this later in the season and bigger games. We're gonna go for it. We're gonna try to close them out here. If we don't get it, we'll still fucking beat them.
0: Yeah, it's like a it was like a practice moment for them almost.
1: Yeah, maybe that. I mean, did the Bucks count this as a joint practice? I mean, if if the Bucks counted as a joint practice and the Eagles counted as a game, what does it get down as? Your point on Sanders, I, I was I was fast asleep at this at this stage of the game. Um, you said he had, they had two carries on that drive for 30 yards. Did he have to get on the oxygen tank? I mean, the guy like does the guy. Is the guy able to like run the football anymore?
0: It's a valid question. I mean, he's not getting any work, so he was probably absolutely gassed after two freaking carries. <laughs> and then they 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 got uh, inside the one, I think it was that the same drive. And first and goal at the one and, and they're running they're running the ball out of out of the shotgun. Like it's ju- it's just again like overthinking, outsmarting. Why don't we have a package where, where we bunch up full back or bring in an extra O lineman or throw a tight end in the backfield? I, I, I don't know, throw a linebacker in the backfield or Fletcher Cox or crying out loud, but we're running out of the shotgun and just getting stuffed. Like it's like it's nothing. It's not even a threat.
1: Well, that's that's comical to me because later in the week Sirianni was interviewed about uh the identity of the Seagulls team. Eagles offense, and he said, "Well, you know, it's still forming. We don't, we don't really know what our identity is. All you do is throw, and you're right. Like you're you're not able to bring in like a cocoon, bring in a, a jumbo package, and and say, you know what, you you know what we're doing, we know what we're doing, and we're gonna fucking push it across the goal line. Like this team, this team has no identity. They 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 can't run the ball because they don't run the ball." And that is a mindset problem. If you refuse to run the football as a head coach, your team is is just way too passive. it does it's not a a uh, you know stick your hand in the ground. let's run these guys over for three yards like they they just don't have that ability. That's nah, a soft
0: mentality. I mean, we're seeing it with the Eagles. you see it with Penn State, and as fans of those teams it's it's frustrating to watch. Um, But the Eagles eventually score on the drive, and Tampa Bay gets the ball back. They're up 28-22. Eagles have a chance to get a stop, get the ball back. Potentially tie the game, win the game. Uh, Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, You get the taunting call on Avery uh, on the sideline. I forget who he stood over. Questionable call, but
1: that was a total bullshit call.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I didn't think there was much there, and you got A.B., waving around and, and talking his talk per usual. But, I mean, if, if you're the Eagles, you're Avery, we've had so many of these dumb penalties so far this year. I mean, why why even give the refs the chance to throw the
1: flag at that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much else to add there. I mean, have you seen what, what Gannon said uh, said this week about, about Ryan Kerrigan, our or huge free agent splash signing? Did, did you see those those quotes?
0: No. is he is he about to hit the field or or, or what? Because I haven't seen him out there this year.
1: <laughs> so so uh, the, yeah, this this fucking bozo was asked uh, why hasn't Kerrigan, the uh, the free agent acquisition been productive? And uh, he had to clarify the question, G. He said, "When you say by not being productive,' what do you mean on the stat sheet?" Because in my opinion, and I'm going to quote this here, because in my opinion, he has been productive. He he goes on to say, quote, how I would quantify that is he lines up. He gets aligned the correct way. He plays with his eyes the right way. He's asked to do the techniques that we're asking him to do. And he's playing winning football within his role. I mean by that definition if you hand me a fucking Xbox controller and I line up properly I'm playing winning football for the fucking Philadelphia Eagles
0: I didn't hear that that that's so problematic and and you talk about technique and lining up and he's doing it the right way well you look at all the wide receiver issues and the pick play penalties that we get our technique isn't right and, and to go back to what we've talked about previously, these coaches aren't aren't teaching anything right. We've got the JV uh, high school coaching squad out there, and we're seeing the results of it.
1: I mean, can you imagine going into work, right? You, you sit down at your laptop. You got your hand in the right position on the mouse. You're able to log in properly, but you don't send a fucking email for, like, what is it now, week week six? You don't send an email for six weeks and you're being productive? Get the fuck out of here, dude.
0: Yeah, I mean, every working stiff in America has been in the right position for the past, what, <laughs> 12, 18 months with, with the pandemic, sitting at home on, on a couch in their bed, uh, in an office chair with, with the laptop in their lap. But they're not necessarily being productive. So... <laughs> It's about results. Everything is about results. We're not getting any. Uh, Ryan is not, not gi- giving us any.
1: This is the new Philadelphia mentality, both with the coaches, with the ownership, with the, the newfangled fans, this Gen Z pussified, Wentz worshipping, Simmons excusing, BCI beers. It's not about results, G. It's about the process. It's about Doing things the way we want them done. It's not about wins anymore. You're a fool if you think it's about wins. It's about cashing that check, selling those tickets, pumping those jerseys. This city is a joke.
0: It certainly is. I mean, that's that's nail on the head. And just to wrap, wrap the game, I guess, um, you know, after the Avery penalty, the Eagles got to, to another third down. Situation where they could have got off the field, and, and you got Marcus Epps back there covering Antonio Brown. Probably could have picked the ball on, on the third down play and just completely whiffs on it. I mean, apparently he probably he probably did it the right way there too, and uh, Tampa Bay converted and, and sat on it, and that that was that. So we, we're on the, we're on the Las Vegas uh, to play the Raiders, the John Grudenless Raiders. Um, who I think. Got a big win this past week without him, but who the hell knows with, with this team? We'll be watching and, and, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be in for, for more of the same.
1: Yeah. The Raiders, I mean, I've, I've watched a few of their games. Obviously, the Gruden news to win last week, that'll be like a nice little turning point for their season. They rally, they, you know, kind of come together. They'll get another win this week, right? Um, so uh, now it'll be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, the, the, you think the Eagles are going to be able to like capitalize on a team that had a head coaching change? Absolutely not. Like our, our coaches have no clue what's going on.
0: Can we fire our coach and, and rally around that and turn the season around?
1: <laughs> yeah, I hope, man. <laughs> I, I think they have him on such a, uh, a franchise-friendly contract that... Um, He's just in place, right? Because Laurie and Howie, you know, tell him what to do, and he he listens. and And they're just excited about having three top ten draft picks. It's not about what's going on this year.
0: No. Now, now, in terms of the coach, I th- I believe you you made a comment o- over text um, late last week. I don't know if it was during the game or after the game. Did you want to ha- Did you want to say anything? Uh, to the anti-Doug Peterson crowd about what we've seen transpire this season?
1: Well, I, I forget exactly what, what I said over text. I, I'll just broadly speak about Doug. I, I think it's a fucking joke that this guy was run out of town by 40 to 50 percent of the fan base. This guy was the only coach to get us over the over the proverbial hump, with a backup quarterback, no less. Right, so don't don't tell me like, oh, you know, Doug Fluke. It was a fluke year, and this and that. He went back the following year into the Superdome with a backup quarterback again. Damn near went to the NFC Championship game. So this guy had had uh, a Super Bowl year. He had uh, a, a nine and seven year where they go to the Superdome, damn near win that game, if not for the injuries. Brooks goes down the Alshon drop, et cetera. The following year, front office decides to to, to cut foals and make it, you know, uh, com- commit the uh, the franchise to, uh, you know, to 11. We know how, how, how he played for most of the year. Doug simplifies the offense. They get back into the playoffs. Then 11 taps out in the middle of the playoff game, right? Played literally one quarter. Yeah, not the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He played one fucking quarter. This guy, I mean, what more do you want the, want the coach to do? You got you, you go to the playoffs for the back quarterback the third – two years. The third year you go, your, your quarterback quits in the middle of the game. You got a 40 – I mean, Doug might as well just put a fucking jersey on instead of a count. You know what I mean? And then and then last year, right, you got the COVID year. You got Wentz like taking his ball and going home. And and everybody runs this guy out of town, the same fucking people who were making excuses for Andy Reid for 15 or 20 years. I'm I'm pissed off, man. You know, they just they just totally railroaded this guy, and all he did was win.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. You bring up the the point about Reed, how people were were so afraid and and didn't want to let him go after however long he was with the Eagles, and we're we're two what two three seasons removed from a Super Bowl. And you brought up a good point about the year after that and, and the Superdome and the Saints went on to lose to the Rams and the Rams lost to a pretty bad Patriots team. Like you're, you're really looking at the Eagles probably going back to back under Doug Peterson. Uh, if Alshon Jeffrey catches the ball and you know, after that you, you you have the Wentz effect and Doug is, is the scapegoat and, and, and the victim and everybody's running them out of town. And now we're left with a depleted roster. Um, a horrible coaching staff and uh, yeah hopefully those people are happy, but we're not.
1: My thing is this the people the people that were talking about Doug Peterson's game plans as if that was a problem don't know their don't know uh, uh, their ass from a hole in the ground okay that Doug Peterson knows football and they said well he doesn't he doesn't run enough bootlegs with Carson he doesn't run the ball enough. See, he literally doesn't run the football. And the same people, all they want to do is talk about Jalen's not the guy, this and that. How do you know? Nobody knows.
0: Yeah, he hasn't looked good, but he's certainly not in an, an ideal situation. And and people talk about, well, it wasn't an ideal situation for Eleven under Doug, but was it an ideal situation for Nick Foles? Because on equal playing grounds, Nick Foles clearly outperformed Wentz uh, in four weeks in the 2020 season last year at the end. I think it was pretty clear that Hertz outperformed Wentz on an even playing and field and, Hur- and even Hur- circumstances.
1: Hurts beat- Spot on. Hurts, Hurts beat the number one fucking defense last year in the Saints. So so don't give me the whole, you know, we don't know Sirianni because Hurts is I mean, it's a little bit of both for sure. But Sirianni has no clue. This guy is totally over his skis. He's got no clue what's going on.
0: No. But... He's got the wardrobe. I think. I think the latest uh, Thursday night was the Dr. J hoodie uh, out on the field for for pregame warmups.
1: Make, make me make me sick.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's enough there.
1: Wait, hang on. Before before we move on, is he going to take the sixty five sticker off the visor now? How does that work?
0: Yeah, I thought about that, too, because I saw the 65 sticker. Obviously, the 55 and the 56 for Graham and Samala, we know that they're out for the season. And this week, he, he against the Bucks, he did add the 65 sticker, which led me to believe that Lane Johnson was going to be out for the season. And now Lane Johnson posts on Instagram, thanks, everybody, for the support. Looking forward to coming back with the teammates. Um, so the sticker's got to come off, I guess.
1: So it's it's an important thing to call out, the fact that this guy has the, these stickers on the visor. And I don't know if we've talked about this, G, but it's a mentality shift, OK, because when Doug Peterson coached, right, the same people that were talking about scheme and and Doug not being there, be, you know, doing a good job. And fr- it was all Frank Reich. I don't want to hear that shit. It was all Frank Reich. Get the hell out of here with that crap. Yeah, he's doing a, hell of a job with Indianapolis yeah, that guy's a loser, okay. I don't want to hear it. Um, you know, Doug, you think you think Doug had like a healthy roster? Doug had like the most fucking injured roster out there, okay? And he wasn't putting stickers and wearing t-shirts of his guys. You know what he said? Like 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 the professional football player that he was in the league for so long, you know what he said? next fucking guy up. and the, and the, and those teams responded. Instead, you get Sirianni, you oh, Brandon Graham's out. What are we going to do? Lane's out for a week on PTO. What are we going to do? It's pathetic. It's time for the next guy to step up and play some football.
0: That's how it should be. But we'll move on. And on the topic of pathetic, uh, number 25, <laughs> number 25. It pains me to even say the name to bring it back up on the pod here. But baby the, Ben? Are we
1: talking about sto- Baby Ben or
0: Baby Brother? The story never ends. Baby Ben, Bum <laughs> Simmons. Um, I guess let's start with with the report that that I believe surfaced last week. Uh, I think it was on ESPN or ESPN Plus. And I don't know how much I put into this report. Um, you know, with the, all all the the stuff that's going on in the world, and real news and fake news and. Everybody, everybody's got a keyboard and a Twitter account and something to say, but
1: I mean, it wasn't random Twitter. It was Ramon Shelburne.
0: Yeah, I, no, I get that. But you believe everything you hear on, on all the big outlets, I, I, I don't know. But regardless, the report was that before game seven against Atlanta, uh, Ben Simmons had, you know, self or, or voluntarily claimed that he had been in close contact um, with somebody who was exposed to COVID nineteen, apparently was a masseuse. I don't know if it was like the Sixers team masseuse or his personal masseuse. Um, but I think like a lot of his teammates were skeptical uh, about his claim here, and obviously he ended up going through the protocol or the, the testing and testing negative and playing in the game. But um, the the report was basically saying that. Simmons tried to do this uh, as a way to, to cop out of playing in Game 7 due to his struggles and, and the yips uh, that that he put on display in the 2021 NBA playoffs, and specifically that series against the Hawks. Again, I don't know how much stock I, I put into it, but just complete insanity. I mean, does this happen anywhere but Philadelphia?
1: I think the important distinction with this report isn't that he had a supposed close contact. Is that is that it was self-reported, right? And the testing occurred as the result of the self-reporting. So I think a lot of his teammates were thinking, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, well, why are you reporting this right now?
0: Yeah, yeah, that that's obviously the biggest thing, and and what raises eyebrows. I mean, if if you're if you're feel if you're not feeling under the weather. Why, why, why even go go that route and and do that? I, I I don't know.
1: You know what it reminds me of? What's that? Reminds me of the the guy, the the other number one pick. You know, not not the uh, n- over uh, number eleven, right? I mean, when's the last time you saw a guy in a playoff game self-report a, a potential blow to the head and go and check himself into the concussion protocol? I'd like to hear what his teammates say about that
0: you're talking about Wentz in the Seattle playoff game.
1: Where do we find these guys? That's it's that's 100% what I'm talking about. Where do we find these guys? They're like they they've no problem taking the direct deposit every week for, with their game check, but like the minute there's a playoff game, it's like all of a sudden they're uh you know, they're they're Anthony Fauci reporting health symptoms like 24/7. Like what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And and I I read the article and it's it's kind of going over my head right now, but there was something that the teammates knew about the masseuse. And I, I don't know if the masseuse was not even like a, a close contact with somebody or, or had COVID. Uh, but, but obviously the, from the report and the story, it, it sounded super sketchy and obviously rubbed uh, the te- the teammates or the, or the, folks that, you know, made these claims to the, to the reporter. Um, it raised their eyebrows and, and made them look at Ben like, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs>
1: Baby Ben, man.
0: Yeah, baby Ben. So, well, he passed his COVID test, uh, you know, this week or last week as as he reported to, to the training facility in Camden. Was back at practice Monday uh, with his <laughs> cell phone in his pocket. I saw a report that the team had a breakdown, you know, like a huddle up, and everybody put your hands in and cheer, and Ben kept his hand out. Um, well, he's
1: trying to avoid the close contact. He doesn't need the self-report.
0: Yeah, that I mean that's what he should be claiming at, at this point, but obviously he's not. Obviously he's not invested at all, and and he's just being a complete jackass, honestly. And now Tuesday it comes out that the Sixers have suspended him uh, for game one against New Orleans on Wednesday. Uh, he was in practice, apparently taking part in in some sort of drill, and. Doc Rivers asked him to, to do something, and Ben refused, and Doc kicked him out of practice. So just just a complete mess. Uh, I, I, I saw a tweet uh, Tuesday as well that Ben had left practice and actually gone to Delilah's uh, to spend his afternoon. And I, I I saw a really funny like retweet or, or quote a quote of that tweet. And somebody said something along the lines of like, if if there's one place in Philly uh, for Ben to, to miss more open threes than the practice facility, it's it's at Delilah's. So I, I got a kick out of that. But I mean, this is a saga like we haven't seen in, in a long time. I think you mentioned T.O. when we were texting about it earlier, but. I mean this guy's just got to be gone it's 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 got to end I mean trade him for a new rack of Spaulding's at this point or you know uh, a third round pick or a second round pick I don't know how many rounds the friggin nBA draft is but just whatever you can do to get him off the books and get him out of town i think this team can be can be just fine and make the playoffs without him uh, and honestly be be better for it for having him out of town
1: nah see that's where you're wrong i, I don't i would not i wouldn't Grant this guy the satisfaction. I, I said on the last episode, he's he'd be playing for Delaware. He'd be he'd be on the 87-ers. Um, I I refuse to trade him for. My demands would go up. I would like immediately say we 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 require like a a Herschel Walker type haul in order to like trade this guy. I would make him like languish in Philadelphia. I mean, it, I'd make his life miserable.
0: Yeah, you're right, and. I thought we were cutting his like his uh, access card to, to the facility in Camden. Like That step obviously wasn't taken. I mean, everybody's up in arms at, oh, they suspended him for, for game one, and they're going to keep suspending him. What the hell did you even let the guy back in the facility in the first place for? I mean, did you really expect him to show up and put his head down and go to work? You knew he was going to show up and mope around, make a scene, and have all the attention be on him. And that's what he's done. Um, but but I guess luckily Embiid had some comments on Tuesday that he doesn't care about Simmons, and he's, he's not at training camp or, or prepping for the season. He's not there to babysit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how, how do you even let the guy back in? I mean, the, this organization's a mess, obviously. Um, you have the process, and then... Everything with Brett Brown and Hinkie, and then Colangelo gets pushed in there, and, and it's all just blown up in their face. Everything about it, um, yeah. I just uh, that's all I got. I mean, it's just it's just bad.
1: Again, just the latest example. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens if and when he dresses and he's on the active roster. You know, what do the fans do? Um, <clears throat> The Wells Fargo Center made an appointment to uh, create a new video this year about uh, uh, fan behavior. And uh, some could say perhaps that's in response to the popcorn incident with Russell Westbrook. Um, but conspiracy theorists like myself believe it could very well be in anticipation of Baby Ben. And the idea that. The teams want to uh, absolve themselves of any fan behavior and responsibility by pointing to the fact that they created a new video this year outlining fan behavior.
0: Good on them. I mean, how can you even expect this guy to dress at this point? And there are people out there. I've read stuff. I've listened to stuff. There are still people out there. That are like, if Ben Simmons puts on the uniform, I'll forgive him. He's an all star. He's a potential DPOY. He makes our team better. I'll forgive him. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't want to watch that guy. I don't want that guy in my city. I don't want that guy representing, you know, th- this town and, and embodying everything that-, that we are and that we root for. He's a disgrace.
1: He's got that goofy, emotionless face with that like prepubescent beard that like doesn't. It looks awful, right? And then he, and then the minute he like slams down an open court dunk, he's doing the smoke emoji face. Like, cut me a break, dude! And the fan, the minute the minute the fans see that, they're back, right? The process is totally back. Um, again, I I just have to put all of this on the fans. Like, the organizations are, are drafting. Admittedly, these weak-minded guys—Wentz, Foltz, Simmons, et cetera—but the fans refuse to hold these guys accountable. It's the new age Gen Z fan who believes that the process, the the uh, uh, the process, is better than the results. These fans are poisoning our product. Okay, when are we going to take our Philadelphia sports back from the Gen Z processors? That's the question I'd ask.
0: Yeah, that's the million dollar question. I don't know. And, you know, you look at this stuff and and you think about the the pandemic and and all all the big wigs, you know, working on that stuff and saying that that the the solution or the cure can't be worse than the problem. Well, that's Philadelphia sports in a nutshell right now, because we had these problems. We have these depleted teams. We get these picks that are apparently the cure and they're even worse. They make the situation even worse. Sure, they're talented guys, um, but but. But they're they're airheads. They're they're weak-minded. Uh, anytime adversity comes up, they crumble um, and fold like a beach chair. It's just it's just disgusting, and it's hard to root for. Can I
1: can I read a tweet from a uh, <clears throat> a blue checkmark uh, a blue checkmark uh, brigade member on Twitter? Um, uh, talking about the simmons situation this That's guy weird. is this guy is a uh uh, uh I'm not going to get into his personal stuff that he has in his bio on on his on his twitter um but he is a senior writer for uh, sb nation covering the memphis grizzlies um so you can you can imagine the uh, the type of academic record that young nathan chester has under his belt um to the point where you're, you're covering the, the Grizz, but I digress anyway. He says, and I quote, I'm 100% on team Ben at this point. Imagine being in a terrible workplace that you have made it clear that you want to leave, but not only do they keep you from leaving, they force you to show up to work and then get mad at you. Don't give it 100% nonsense. I mean, if I'm writing the checks over to SB Nation for Nathan Chester to cover the fucking Grizzlies, I mean, that's the kind of employee you want. This guy, this guy's, this guy's a loser.
0: I mean, what, what are so bad about the working conditions? He's getting, getting over a hundred million dollars. He's doing everything that that he wants to do in his free time and he's a stiff on the court. So what's the issue?
1: I'd shovel horse shit for seven years and 180 million dollars. I, mean, I mean, what do you mean the working conditions? What are you talking about, dude?
0: So bad. But like you said, that's that's the problem. There's there's folks out there with with a mindset that aligns with uh, with that fellow there, and that's what enables these guys to carry on like the babies that they are, and ultimately to the demise of, of the teams that that we root for.
1: Yeah, like, Nathan Chester thinks that, like, these players should be able to go to, like, the, I don't know, the fucking human resources department of the Sixers and complain about his manager, because his manager, like, I don't know, isn't giving him, like, enough professional development. Like, this, it's a fucking, you're a basketball player, dude. Isn't that (laughs) what an
0: agent's for? Isn't that what an agent's for? (laughs) You would think. I mean, my God.
1: I'm just so, I'm just so sick and tired of this crap and talking about it, and, like, I... I when I read the story that the Sixers suspended Simmons for conduct detrimental, I thought, wow, finally the organization grew a backbone. And then I heard it was for one game.
0: Yeah, it's for one game. It's a slap on the wrist. It's a it's a kick the can down the road, like they've done all summer and all early fall here. It's just a slap on the wrist, kick it down the road, and we'll we'll deal with it. But. How can you let this bleed into the season? The season starts Wednesday night.
1: That's pathetic, and you, you're you're sticking you're sticking Embiid out there to talk about it. Like, I want to hear the owner. Yeah, like where, he's where, he, where, where's Harris? Where, where's Ruben? Is he is he printing uh, baseball cards up for fanatics? Like, why don't these guys stand in front of the microphone, fly in with Meek Mill, and answer the damn questions about how you're gonna? How you're going to respond to this guy holding your organization hostage?
0: They're probably massaging his fucking butt cheeks trying to get him back to play. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they throw Beat out there and Beat and Beat says the right things, and that you know everybody that's there is focused on the task at hand and winning basketball games. But how how is this not a distraction? How does this not impact the season? And how does management and ownership? have have no appearance or or make no appearance or make any comment or or put this shit to rest
1: say what you want about jeff jeff Lurie, and i'm not i'm not a jeff Lurie guy when he sensed that things were were going sideways and it's a little different because it was a coach right not a player but same type of mindset right like a, a total media circus when he sensed that things were going sideways with with chip kelly right what did he do I'm fucking taking back over. I'm taking my team back over. You're done, Chip. I'm I'm putting Howie back in player, player, player. (laughs) right? Like, maybe not the right answer, but at least the fucking guy took action.
0: Yeah. The the worst decision is no decision, right?
1: (laughs) That's right. I mean, I just, I don't get how you, imagine, I mean, if you own the Sixers, what would you be doing right now? What do you think Mark Cuban would be doing right now? What do you, what do you think, uh, uh, <clears throat> the 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 Rockets owner would be doing right now. Like these guys would be like in the media, crushing this guy. We have contracts. We have this. We have that. This is why we negotiate with the players association. You know, it's all spelled out. This is freaking. This guy's not honoring this. He's ruining our season. Our fans deserve better. Crickets from our guys. Amen. No, that's
0: that's it right there. But I got nothing else on this topic. Sixers open the season Wednesday night uh, at New Orleans. I think the home opener is Friday against the Nets. Um, and who cares? I'm sure. Who sure, cares? who cares? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this will bleed on and. Yeah, who cares? I I, I don't freaking care, honestly. But it's happening. So do, you,
1: do you think Simmons plays against the Nets?
0: No, no. How, how could he? I mean, they're kicking him out of practice. They're spending him. I, I think it's just gonna it's just gonna be a continuous like. Suspension, suspension, suspension. I, I don't know what the what the end result is here. But there's no way that after the stuff that Embiid has been saying and and Rivers kicking them out of practice, like they're just gonna plop them out there Friday night. I would love to see it. I mean, you know, half the fan base would probably be be clapping and putting their Ben jerseys back on. Please come back, Ben. We need a triple. <laughs> we we need a triple double against. Uh, against the hawks
1: could you imagine he plays against the nets and like durant has like an off game and all the all all the simmons honks. he's the dp of yeah
0: yeah but i would like to see it for, for the, the p- portion of the fan base that would be ready to defy the instruction in uh the sixers new video and, and, and raise some hell in that place I, I, that's something i would tune in for um, I'm Sixers The problem related.
1: is, I don't think there's enough like 700 level, like veteran stadium era Eagles fans that are also like going to Sixers games. Like, I need those guys from like the 1996 Dallas Eagles like Monday Night Football games where it was like, if you're like a young kid, like you just remember your dad getting tickets through work and telling telling you and your mom like, no, he can't come because it's gonna be too dangerous. Like, that's the that's what. That's the type of environment that's needed. You know what I mean? Like, put the fear, fear of God into some of these guys. Like, show up to work. My God.
0: Yeah. Nah, I'm with you. But anything else on on the Sixers or Simmons?
1: No, nah, this is the last I ever want to talk about this until this guy's gone.
0: All right. So we'll we'll schedule that segment for next week and see where that's at. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to the Flyers. Flyers are, are two games in. Uh, opened the season on a four-game homestand. First game was Friday night against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Felt five to four in the shootout. It started really strong in the first period, um, and then some penalties did them in, kind of killed the momentum. A uh, couple, couple weird goals, and, and Carter Hart looked a little, a little shaky Friday night. Um, but they were able to to get two goals late in the third with the goalie pulled, tie that game. Uh, crazy overtime. Carter Hart did bounce back in overtime make some big saves. Um, to ultimately fall in the shootout to Vancouver and then Monday night, they hosted the NHL's newest franchise, the Seattle Kraken led by former Flyers coach, Dave Hackstall. He made his return to Philly, uh, as a head coach for the first time and the Flyers put the beat down on them, played a really nice game, full 60 minute effort, um, went up early and really never looked back, um. Which is good to see, and hopefully that's more of what we see this year. You know, you watch these Flyers games, and they get up to two nothing, three nothing leads, and you know, usually it's inevitable but, that the other team will get get back in the game, and it'll be be a nail biter. But they shut the door. Hart was solid. Uh, Flyers had the puck most of the game. I mean, he wasn't Hart wasn't tested a ton. He made a couple big saves in the first uh, while the game was still scoreless, and that kind of juiced up the Flyers. A couple good fights in there. Uh, that kid that guy sealer nick sealer he had a fight he's their seventh defenseman playing for wrist and right now um, is and he a Nate, fighter they said he's six two um but he fought jamie Alexiak on seattle who's like six seven guy used to be on pittsburgh but he's an absolute house and uh sealer did all right i mean he stood in there took a couple and didn't get completely uh Beat down, and, and then he he was real fired up going to the penalty box, which got the building going. Uh, so I that was good.
1: Tapping the sticks,
0: boys were tapping.
1: You gotta love a good stick stick tap.
0: Oh yeah, the the sticks were tapping, and uh, some guy out Seattle yeah, was getting into it with Giroux when it was like five zero, and I think this was in the second period, and then in the third period, Nate Thompson gave this guy a beating. I mean, like you know, a lot of these hockey fights now, the helmets are on and they're, they're not great. Thompson got, got this kid pretty good, and uh, it was good to see him standing up for, for Claude. Was that for the captain? That was for the captain, man.
1: And and, uh, and you know what? I mean, it's just great to see early in the season that, that his, his teammates are sticking up for him because there's a contingent of the Philadelphia fan base that says, rip the sea off his sweater.
0: Yeah, rip the sea off the sweater. Two goals in two games. He's ready to go this season. He's in the last year of his contract, too. I mean, he's 34, I think. Um, but, I mean, he hasn't completely fallen off the the aging cliff yet. And you would think that's that's got to be a factor. I mean, he's a competitive guy, contract year. He knows it. He's probably going to put his best foot forward and, and probably have a year, and then the Flyers are going to have a really tough decision to make after the season.
1: Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the Seattle game, but I did watch – I did watch a lot of that Vancouver game, and I thought he looked good. I thought he had some burst. I thought, um, obviously, I mean, just a sick goal to tie the game. That pass off the end boards and just tucking it in under the under the pipe. But uh, yeah, broadly, I mean, just you know, observations off one game. I, I mean, I, I liked what I saw out of Atkinson. Like this guy just ripped the puck every chance he got. Like it, there was none of this, like, oh, let's dangle, let's skate around, like Jake. Like this guy's just like. <laughs> ripping shots. And then, and then you hit the nail on the head with Ellis. I mean, the, the guy was getting, getting pucks through uh, from the point. So uh nice little change of pace from, from the style that they've, they've played with some other guys over the, over recent years.
0: Yeah. Ellis got on the board against Seattle Monday night and I like Atkinson too. He's like full gas. You, you can see that he's going to have an impact on the penalty kill, which is where the Flyers have struggled a lot in recent years. Um, he's just constantly hounding the puck and, and still able to kind of get back in position. Um, but he's been able to keep keep the, the opposing power play kind of in their own end, trying to get it up the ice. So good to see there. Um, but yeah, Giroud two goals, two games. Connect. He's got two goals in two games. Um, Broussard with a three point night Monday night. Who's been playing second line center in the absence of Kevin Hayes. That's certainly something they're going to need. But I mean, Friday was like a Typical Flyers game, you know, play well for some of it, play like shit for some of it, do a bunch of stupid shit and lose in a shootout. That's really what we're used to. And then, uh, Monday they played a really strong game, really no, no gripes at all. And as long as Hayes is out, they, they need the, the top line of Couturier and Drew and Connecty to, to be scoring. And that's what they're doing. So hopefully they can just kind of stay afloat, weather the storm while, while Hayes is out. And then, uh, the roster will fall into place when he gets back, uh, probably around game 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range.
1: Um, What's their schedule look like over the next week? I know they had the Bees uh, Wednesday at uh, at home.
0: Yeah, they got, they got Boston Wednesday night, 730. That's on TNT, national broadcast. That'll be fun to watch. Um, I watched that TNT broadcast uh, this past week. And they, they got my boy Biz, Paul Bissonette, on there from from Chicklets. He's an absolute hoot. They got the great one, Wayne Gretzky. They had Charles Barkley in on the hockey hockey broadcast, which was cool.
1: That's uh, great.
0: Yeah, so that's that's fun. I'm looking forward to that. And then Saturday night, they close out the, the four-game homestand with the Florida Panthers. They have a good team. And then after that, I believe it's like the Western Canada trip. So like Edmonton, uh, Ca- so Calgary, there. Vancouver again. I don't know the exact— cadence or or schedule but I believe that's like the next three games and then they'll be back home again so
1: boy nothing gets you into uh in a hockey season like an early western Canada trip where the games are on like 10 p.m
0: you know little little, little flyers after dark um
1: less on the flyers what's your take on kind of the new broadcasting partners this year a weekend what's your take on kind of the production and the um you know the product
0: yeah so opening night was Tuesday. Those two games were on ESPN, and right away, watching. I think the first game was Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. The uh, the sound was like way off, so you could hear like the puck and the sticks and the skates on the ice and like the bang of the boards so much louder than you could hear the announcers. But I think they got that that squared away. Um, it, it'll take time. They got some new camera angles, which are cool, but they also kind of hold on to them too long like when there's play in the zone and chances you you just want to see the regular, regular angle. And then I mentioned TNT, uh, I believe it's Rick Tockett. Um, who's the guy Anson Carter, uh, Liam McHugh, they were both on NBC previously and then, uh, biz and, and Wayne Gretzky.
1: Oh, those guys switched over.
0: Yeah, they switched over. A, a lot of the folks that were on the NBC sports, um, national broadcasts are, are sprinkled throughout tnt and and espn now
1: oh good i th- i mean i thought i thought those guys always did a good job i like carter and uh and McHugh, so that's good
0: yeah and then uh john buchagross he's like a a hockey legend he's he's really more known for for college hockey but he did the play-by-play on the kraken vegas game on opening night on espn and, and he's awesome um so looking forward to hearing more from him but yeah, it's good. I mean, I kind of missed the, uh, the the NBC theme music, and and obviously Doc Emmerich. he was out out last year. He retired after twenty twenty, but um, it, it'll it'll take some time to adjust. But good to see uh, good to see the NHL getting getting up with the big boys on, on ESPN and TNT, competing with uh, you know MLB and NBA and, and everybody else.
1: And it's funny; it's just such a joke, right? Like how big of a one eighty ESPN is made where all of a sudden now they're showing highlights and this and that. It's like, give me a break, guys.
0: Yeah, you ignored us for 20 years, and, and
1: now, now you want to be the,
0: the worldwide leader in, in hockey.
1: I think it's been a total miss that they, don't, they haven't brought back the, uh, you know, the glowing puck. I mean, when is that coming back? I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that's due.
0: Well, there weren't HDTVs the last time ESPN carried hockey, so you don't, you don't need the, the glowing puck
1: now. I think that was Fox back in the day, I think.
0: Was it? Yeah, I remember that, the little blue light around the puck. That was fun. I just feel
1: like we're due for a refresh of the glowing puck.
0: I like mean, I, the stats I'm up and be fun.
1: Like With all the stats and analytics, like, you can't give me that little – remember they used to have the trail of, like, if it was, like, over 90 miles an hour, it was, like, a hot trail coming from the puck. It was, like, it was like sick.
0: Yeah, yeah. they They have some new stuff in these broadcasts. Um, little nuances but nothing like that that you mentioned um, yeah, it's that's kind of it flyers at at uh, at home against Boston Wednesday night Rasmusster the line in uh, one of the big offseason acquisitions I believe is set to make his season debut on the second pairing with Travis Sandheim and Nick sealer will go to the press box um, so looking forward to that obviously Boston's always a tough test but uh, We'll see. We'll see where the Flyers are at three games into the season. Should we move it into uh, into the little college football bomb? All right, let's do it. Um, college football. We just got off of week seven. Uh, another pathetic performance uh, on the betting screen for Fade the Shade, but uh, some big news out of Baton Rouge. Coach O Ed Orgeron. Another casualty just two years removed from a national championship. Uh, him and I believe the athletic director or you know some higher up at, at LSU have reached an agreement that, that he will no longer coach the Tigers uh, at the end of the season. So he will, he will coach them through the rest of, of the 2021 season. But after that, he will be on the streets. I don't know if he'll be looking for a new gig or counting his cash and shining his ring. But no more Coach O and Bat Rouge. I, I thought he was a, a fun personality down there and a guy that was fun to root for, but you make anything of this, bomb?
1: Uh, I mean, it's a classic situation of LSU. I mean, they, yeah, they they kind of caught lightning in a bottle there, obviously, with Burrow and, and all the, the studs that they had. Um, <clears throat> but also uh Orgeron hired like a really strong staff. I think that that's obviously why they had success with uh, with Joe Brady and, and Dave Aranda. Those guys are going on Aranda, I think, is a Baylor and Brady's in the NFL. So not only did he lose like kind of, you know his first round talent, he lost all of his all of his coaching. But I think for me, like the not more interesting, but like some of the stuff off the field that's like coming out since the separation agreement was reached is just it's just wild um, i don't i don't want to get into like allegations or anything but but because of i think orgeron's like character and it, like his ca- the character that he is in the public eye and his and his voice and and, and his and his personality some of the stories that are coming out i just I- i'm reading in his voice and it just like makes it like comical so for example i don't i don't know if you heard about the this gas station story have you heard about this at all?
0: I I read about this one, yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, so so they're they're throwing our they're throwing Coach out of the bus here about how he he was hitting on the wife of a, a high ranking LSU official. The word got to the LSU Board of Supervisors, um, and ultimately reached the the athletic director. Um, and I guess I guess the wife of this this LSU official. Um, was pregnant at the the time and uh i I certainly don't mean to mean to make (laughs) light of this but but the quotes are like hysterical if you you, like read them in his his voice i mean have you have you seen these quotes jake
0: yeah i mean didn't he hit on her and he 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 said something along the lines of like let's go out or let's do something and (laughs) and go
1: ahead (laughs) he pulls up to the gas station and he's rocking, you know, Coach O like loves running. He's like a big exercise guy. He's wearing his exercise attire, And he says to this woman, hey, you look like you work out. Oh, he said, let's could, work out. Yeah, we could work out together. And she said, I'm married and pregnant. And Coach O says, why does that matter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just a wild, like a wild sequence of conversation. Yeah. Um, and it in his voice, I think just reading that that uh, that interaction, I'm just like, what is going on at LSU? Yeah, that's
0: that that's crazy. And again, not 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 making light of of any of the allegations or any situations like that, but pretty pretty bizarre, pretty crazy, and
1: so bizarre. F-
0: funny funny to to think about coach o, like saying that shit and and. I don't know if I'm saying this right or wrong, but it's not funny. But, like, how, how you said it about thinking about Coach O in that situation, it's just like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, like, in his voice, and like, maybe him asking her, like, hey, why does that matter? I'll go tag yeah. <laughs> Like sleep. Like, what are you doing, dude?
0: Yeah, he's certainly uh, falling off the tracks a little bit, uh, according to all the stuff that, that's out there. Um, sad to see, because, like I said at the top of this little piece, Certainly a fun guy to root for. Seems like a likable guy, um, but certainly a falling out there in Baton Rouge. Um, but I'm gonna keep moving if that's good with you.
1: Well, I mean, who there's been? Let's just let's just talk more about the LSU job, right? Um, before before we move on, real quick. So, so there's been rumors that you know Jimbo. Like I've seen Jimbo's name floated. I don't get that at all. Why would he leave Texas A&M where he's being paid? Oodles and oodles of money. Has just beat Bama. Just hired what's that?
0: You just beat Bama.
1: Yeah, you just beat Bama. You have you basically have a stranglehold on the entire state of Texas, um, recruiting wise, right? Until Texas gets in to the SEC. I don't see that. Um, so then the question becomes who do you hire as L S U? Do you do you do you hire Randa? Like do you do you do you bring him bring him back knowing he was your he was your ace in the whole defensive coordinator. I mean, I don't mean to compare them because I think Aranda's a better coach than this guy, but isn't that what Miami did with Manny Diaz that hasn't worked? So if you think, let's not go defense, let's go offense, would you would you bring in Joe Brady and say, hey, you know what? We're going to hand the keys over to a young guy that we think might be able to connect with this generation, who we think might be able to bring us back to like a cutting-edge offense that uh, that doesn't include Brad Johnson's kid at the controls.
0: Yeah, I've seen I've seen both kind of written. Obviously, it's all speculation at this point, but yeah, bringing the D coordinator back back from Baylor uh, or or Brady, and Brady's with uh, Rule and the Panthers, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't. I mean, he's the offensive coordinator there, right? Yes. Um, I mean, for me, like college is such a different game in the NFL. Um, you know, all the all the. The recruiting needs that needs to happen, right? I feel like that's almost like a younger guy's game. Unless you're an established name like Nick Saban, where you just walk into a living room and uh and just flash the ring. So I mean I'd like to see what a young guy could do down at LSU, someone like a Brady, and say, hey man, like uh, you know, we, we want we want some some young studs and we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball around. Almost like a a younger, more I want to say maybe a younger, uh, 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 winning, winninger version of of Lane Kiffin.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see Brady get a, get a crack at that job. Um, I've also obviously read Luke Fickle, Cincinnati. That's a name being floated. Um,
1: I don't think that works down there, man. I don't know about you. What do you think?
0: I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I mean, he's spent a lot of time at Ohio State, um, so that's that's kind of a big time program obviously has seen that operation so I don't know, but like north to south it's it's different. Obviously going from Big Ten or the American to, to SEC that's different. Um, you know Brady's Brady's been in the program he's been in the conference. he's had success at, at that level at that place. I think he's got to be their number one target. I mentioned fickle uh, obviously reading more local stuff people float out James Franklin. I don't know why LSU would hire that guy, um, but yeah, the, the
1: well they, they would be going from one cheerleader as a head coach to another cheerleader.
0: That's right. But that'll be a vacancy to be filled come, uh, come January at some point, And, uh, we'll, we'll keep tabs on it. Cause that's, that's a big time job. That's, that's a top, top 10 job in college football. Top five, would you say?
1: Oh man. What's do you want to go through the jobs? I'd say Alabama, right? Alabama's a great job, but yeah. that's only because of Saban. Um, I don't know how desirable that job is to come in and, like, <laughs> be the guy. his
0: successor, yeah.
1: Um, but that's obviously a great job. We're just calling it as it is today. I think, like, Ohio State's a, a great job. Would you say Ohio State's too?
0: Probably, I think so. Just, I mean, you think about Clemson, and obviously they're having a shitty year, but but just the longevity of Ohio State as a program definitely tops Clemson for me. So I, I would put Ohio State there.
1: Ohio State there. Um, would you put? Now the question is, who do you, like? Who do you really put three, four? Like I don't see Clemson as a top five job. I just feel like they, you know, Dabo and 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 his uh, and his staff, the coordinator, they pay buckets of money too and recruit like i don't see anything in the acc being a top five job per se
0: true maybe you go to georgia
1: georgia maybe three so you got alabama ohio state georgia would you go a and m4 i mean you got texas you got all the money from all the oil guys it's an unbelievable uh, school if you could ever win there
0: yeah yeah i think you think about a and i think about oklahoma too
1: So you go maybe Oklahoma A and M some mix top five there. Yeah. I mean, who do you look at after that?
0: I think you start thinking about the LSU's of the world, Notre Notre Dame. Dame
1: Head of LSU, where do you put Notre Dame?
0: I mean, you know how I feel about Notre Dame, but (laughs) (laughs) I think nationally, people that's I think nationally that's that's a top ten job. So they're definitely starting to to be in the mix there.
1: Maybe Notre Dame's top five. Maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Yeah, maybe we're not.
0: That's that's true. That's that's a uh, very highly regarded place to some.
1: Let me ask you something. What's the second best Big Ten job? And is the second best Big Ten job in the top ten?
0: Uh, I think you got to go Michigan, right?
1: Michigan? You wouldn't go like? I guess you would have to go Michigan.
0: Yeah, I think you have to go Michigan, and and. Is it top ten? Maybe. If not, it's right on the outside.
1: Is it above USC? Because I feel like those two schools are they're they're kind of obviously Michigan's won this year, right? Like the the Harbaugh's been there. They're they're winning this year, but no one really thinks that they're quote unquote back, right? They're not like the Michigan of yesteryear. Would you put Michigan and and USC in that same bucket of like almost blue chip jobs that are that are top ten. Pending winning or top five pending winning because if USC is winning, that's a top five job.
0: Hundred percent, I agree. Yeah, USC was who I was kind of thinking about bringing into the picture next. Too that's that's a top ten job, top five if they're winning. I think you could say the same about Michigan. Um, and then I don't even know who else falls in. I mean, we we, we name the top five, and then you got Notre Dame, LSU, Michigan, right. USC. I mean. You, th- you think about a little more old school, I guess, but is where's UCLA? That's, is that a big job still or no?
1: Maybe for basketball.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think Oregon's ahead of them, right? I mean, I think you got USC. I think you got Oregon. Um, and actually, like, Cristobal was floated as LSU. I'm like, I don't see that at all. I really don't see that at all.
0: No, uh, that, that doesn't translate to, to LSU.
1: Do you think Penn State's top ten? Because the more we talk about it, I'm not even sure that
0: they're top 15. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm biased. I would I would think it's, it's just so hard to say because when you're thinking about the top jobs, you're thinking about, like, historically, what has the program been and also what are they like right now? And, and right now, I would say Penn State's a top 15 job just because in the Franklin era, he's shown that being there you you can be a top 15 or top 10 team every year.
1: Would you put Penn State above you wouldn't put them above Michigan. You'd you'd have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in the Big 10?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would put Penn State at 3 in the Big 10.
1: That's fair. That's fair. And that that was a college job talk.
0: Yeah, yeah, enough of that. Let's uh <laughs> Let's let's go to, to another team in the Big Ten, uh, the the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I just want to give them a big shout out. You know, I was reading up and, and looking at their Instagram, and they 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 were posting, "We are six and zero, oh, we are number two, and we smell we smell a rat in Penn State's players falling on the field against our slow ass huddle offense." We are trash. Iowa falls to Purdue at home following the big win against Penn State 24-7. to uh, Complete disgrace, and they dropped to 11 in the AP poll. I mean, I don't have a ton on the game, but I would just like to say that I went on the record after they beat Penn State and said that that would be their biggest win of the season. I think that's – a stone cold lock, and I just think it's uh, it's kind of evident in, in how they responded to beating Penn State and, and how that transpired with with Clifford going out. I mean, you had the coaches still talking about Penn State and the players going down uh, after the win into the following week, and pe- people still bitching about that, and you know, people saying that it wasn't about Roberson and losing Clifford. I think they were just they were so caught up in penn state and and that win and everything that transpired there they they forgot that they had to play a football game on Saturday. and it just showed that they're not on a lead program.
1: yeah, but everyone knew that, right. Everyone knew yeah, I mean,
0: everyone knew that, but but there was a lot of a lot of trash talk, a lot of boasting, a lot of celebrating. and it lasted a whole six days.
1: I mean as a Penn State fan, though, aren't you? I mean, I would think you would be you would have been rooting for Iowa to continue to win,
0: no? No, no I don't care. I don't care. Because it, that doesn't matter. Penn State, the only way Penn State has a shot at the playoff is if they win out and win the Big Ten Championship. And that has nothing to do with the loss to Iowa. I want to see them lose. I, I didn't like the field storm. I didn't like the comments about our players. And... Uh, I was rooting for them to lose. I don't like them. I, I had a lot of respect for that program and Ferrans and the wave and, and all the good stuff and their environment. Fuck them. They lost. And you got I a lot know, of respect every- for the
1: program. But not a top fifteen job.
0: No, not definitely not. And uh, yeah, no, great. Ha- so happy to see them fall.
1: Yeah, and Purdue. Purdue, I think tweeted out after the game that they just beat the number two out of out of Iowa.
0: So, yeah, that, that was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, Purdue stinks too. You know what I mean? Like that, like they stink. Like that, that just shows you all we need to know. We we said it. Oh, Iowa, Iowa's a fraud, fraudulent, um, fraudulent team this year. That quarterback stinks, dude. That guy's so bad, terrible.
0: Yeah, once once they were down two, three scores in the second half, and they had to lean on him. It was uh, it was ugly. He turned the ball over, and uh, that was it. I mean, that's, I think that's all there is to say, and this isn't me saying that Penn State is some elite program or that they're going to win out and run the table, but I said it after they lost to Iowa. They would have blown them out if Clifford didn't get hurt, and that that was Iowa's biggest win of the year. They knew it. They stormed the field. They still couldn't stop talking about it after it happened. It's embarrassing, And but I don't feel bad for them whatsoever, so...
1: But you were really offended by storming the field. And like now that we've talked through the jobs, I mean, if I was not a top 15 job and Penn State is a top 15 job, then why can't they storm the field?
0: I mean, it's not like Penn State's a top 10 or top 15 job and I was like number 100. They're like number 30 or something like and and they were the higher ranked team at the time and they were the favorite in Vegas.
1: Would you put Iowa or Wisconsin uh, in terms of the job? Wisconsin. All right.
0: All right. They've they've had more success. They they put. I feel like they put more uh, more talent in in the NFL. At Those least so
1: anti options.
0: I am now. I am now. I didn't I didn't hate them before, but
1: not a corn guy, not a flyover state guy, not a not a uh, a farmer. A pro. You're not a pro farmer.
0: I guess Not not, not, not Iowa farmers, at least. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, so we got we got a new top ten. Uh, Georgia's in at number one. Another another win for them over Kentucky. Uh, talk about another back breaking backdoor. You got Mark Stoops of Kentucky calling a timeout with three seconds left in that game to jam one in and 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 punch me in the balls. I mean, did you see that?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, disgusting. I do give him like, first of all, fuck Mark Stoops for that move, but. At the same time, I have to give him credit because, like, if you're the college coach of, like, if you're if you're the coach of a college team, right, a big time college team, you know, all of your fans just bet on you every week, right? And you know that the idiots that showed up in Sanford Stadium between the hedges, rocking the fucking blue in the northwest corner of the end zone, uh, you know, prepared to get their teeth kicked in. The only the only reason that they're there is because they love the Wildcats. And you know that they bet on the Wildcats. Like, I guess I got to tip the cap to the guy for like at least standing up for his, you know, his fans who made the road trip and gambled on on the on the Wildcats. But man, that was disgusting. As a general general public better, I, I was I was disgusted.
0: Yeah, three seconds left. Calls a timeout. Draws up a. Tricky little wide receiver screen with two tight ends split out blocking, and then they they punch it in and, and get the back door and, and screw us on that pick. Um, that's gambling, folks. But Cincinnati blew out UCF. They're up to number two. Oklahoma. Before,
1: before G. Before we we move off the uh, the the the, the, the Georgia Kentucky game. Yeah. Um. I didn't. I didn't watch the entire game, but I. But I. I fell in love with the fucking, I fell in love with the fucking player, man.
0: What was it? One of the D linemen on Georgia.
1: So, so I, 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 had the game, you know, I had the game, I wasn't watching the whole game, but I I looked up and like this, this defensive tackle 99, if you're listening, just type in Georgia football number 99. Okay. This guy is like unbelievable. Jordan Davis. Six foot six, three hundred and forty pounds, okay? And um I mean, the the guy looks like he just swallow guys up. he's he's a monster. and uh, it, it, preseason I looked up Kuiper. Kuiper doesn't even have this fucking guy on his big board, okay? like what what, what kind of homework is Mel Kuiper doing? So interestingly enough, I looked up before the pod if he's on the you know the newest big board, and this guy's up to thirteen. so
0: thirteen overall.
1: 13 overall. So, I mean, like, you know, I watch like, uh, you know, half of a game, and I I catch a glimpse of 99 just totally murdering a lineman. And I say, you know what, I want that guy. And uh, think about all the film review that Kuiper does and this and that. You know, Baum watches it as a better, and he looks at a guy, he sees a guy, he looks at the way he moves, he looks at the the number that he wears, he says, I want that guy. So, uh, put 99 in the back of your minds uh, for, for, uh, you know, for one of the top... You know, picks that the Eagles have next year. That's the guy that I want. I want that guy.
0: Jordan Davis out of UGA. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at these Kuipers and McShays and every guy on the internet write, writing up a draft board. I mean, I say it all the time to people: just draft people from Georgia, Alabama, <laughs> Ohio State. There's no need to review film. You know who the best players in the country are. Just pick them from that that. Crop of four or five teams and and move on. It's 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 not that hard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I totally agree. I mean, the, the, the college is doing the work for you, right? They're already scouting. They're already you know putting them in the weight program. Just take the best players from the best schools. And this kid Davis, I mean, I'm telling you, Google this guy. Look at his picture and zoom in. You know how Georgia Georgia? I don't know if it's an SEC thing or Georgia thing. They all wear the the tie and like the blazer. Yep. Like, it looks like they had to, like, use a fucking, like, a a, a grad, you know, like the graduation parties, the big tents that they, that they throw in the, you know, the backyard after Central Bucks East graduation. Looks like they had to use, like, one of those fucking tents and crafted it into, like, a shirt for this guy. This guy's neck is, like, the size of a fucking Sequoia tree trunk. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. I I need this guy. I'm done with Fletcher Cox. This is the guy that I want.
0: This is the guy that we
1: need. We'll get him. We'll hopefully get him. Um, Do the deal. Do the deal. Yeah, but
0: round out the top ten. We had Cincinnati blowout, UCF. They're sitting at two now. Oklahoma uh, had a pretty solid win over TCU. Caleb Williams in for Spencer Radler, finally. And that kid looks like the real deal. He's playing loose. He's chucking it. Uh, and he can run too, like his game. You got anything on him?
1: Yeah, I got a real bone to pick with uh, with Fowler and Herb Street. And I normally like Fowler and Herb Street. Um, I'm watching the game Saturday night. They're playing against TCU, and uh, this 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 kid, uh, what's his last name? Williams? Caleb, Williams.
0: Caleb. Caleb Williams. Yeah.
1: Down the field, running the ball, pulling it, handing it off, throwing it, does it all right. Look, looks like a stud. And. Uh, Fowler has the balls to say on national TV, well, you know, the student section was chanting his name a few weeks ago, but I don't even think they could have known that he was this good. Like, Why are you saying that, dude? Because two weeks ago when they were playing against West Virginia and they were chanting this kid Williams' name, Fowler and Herbstreet were saying, oh, it would be totally premature. It's ridiculous that the student section is chanting this right now. And then literally, like, this guy comes in in the middle of the Texas game and, like, t- saves their season. It's so like don't spare me the the comment on like the the student section's ability to assess talent because clearly they they have an eye for it.
0: Yeah, I mean they they follow the team the closest. They go to school there. They're they're there year round. They're following the accounts. They're doing the reading. And Herb Shred, and Fowler are there once or twice a year and get to speak to the coaches and the players. And I guess they know more than than the faithful. Um, not fair. It ain't right. It ain't right. So yeah, Oklahoma jumps up to three. Uh I am personally loving that, that Williams is in there and looking strong. I'm holding that that ticket on, on them to win the natty. Uh, I they still look think it's like a new team.
1: They look yeah, like a totally new.
0: They they look like a new team. I think they were plus seven fifty or plus eight hundred preseason. Um after the win over Texas, I, I jumped in and grabbed a little plus sixteen hundred. Uh, I think that's down to twelve hundred. So Whoa.
1: you've been sprinkling.
0: The price is right, baby. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe maybe get into the playoff, get, get at least into a hedging situation. Um, Alabama bounced back, blew out Mississippi State. They're up to four. Ohio State at five. Michigan at six. Penn State at seven. All three of those teams had buys. Oklahoma State beat Texas on Saturday. They're up to eight from number 12. Michigan State um, snuck one out against Indiana. They're at
1: nine. And Oregon. They're fraudulent. That's another fraudulent team.
0: Who, Michigan State.
1: Yeah, the, that Big Ten West is terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean they're in the East, but they're playing a lot of the, a lot of the West teams and not really winning big, right?
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. They, they haven't yeah. they haven't run through their gauntlet of a schedule yet.
0: No, and then uh, you got Oregon at ten, and, and we mentioned uh, that the, the very sad they should put a tear in the eye of the Hawkeye this week. Uh, Iowa falls to eleven. But yeah, you, you mentioned Michigan State in the gauntlet. You look at the Big Ten East. Ohio State, uh, one loss, not in the conference. Michigan, undefeated. Penn State, one loss in the conference. And Michigan State, undefeated. Uh, those four teams will play uh, all all of each other. I don't even know what the, how, how to word this. They're all going to play each other uh, over the next, say, um, starting October 30th. So, the last five weeks of the season, they'll all play each other. And, and the Big Ten East race will shake out. Um, so, Four teams in the top ten in the Big Ten East—they're all going to play each other in the, the last month of the season. It, it should be uh, should be pretty exciting.
1: You know, it reminds me a lot of um, a lot of like not not in recent years, but the way this is shaping up reminds me a lot of like the SEC West battles, um, where you have like four teams that are really pretty good, right? You probably have one team that's the class of the division, Ohio State. Bama in the West, right? Um, uh, but they're they're all going to beat up on each other, and since they're all highly rated, those losses aren't going to count for as much. The problem with the Big Ten, though, is that they don't schedule like uh, you know Chattanooga East in the middle of November. So, I, I think some of these teams are going to fall down the rankings as uh, as the losses tend to pile up. In, uh, in short order, but it's going to be a hell of a finish here if, uh, you know, if anyone can knock off Ohio State and, and add a little bit of chaos to the picture.
0: Yeah, we'll get the first look at it, as I mentioned, on Saturday, the 30th of October. Uh, Penn State goes to Ohio State. That's a 730 kickoff, and then Michigan and Michigan State play each other that day as well. I forget who who the home team is and, and what the timing is for that game, but you would hope it's it's Before not seven thirty.
1: TBD and TB on
0: TB in East Lansing. Yeah, well you hope you hope they make that a three thirty so that you can roll uh, roll your afternoon into your evening with uh, with a couple huge top ten matchups in the Big Ten East. Um, That's gonna be awesome. Yeah,
1: this is the most excited I've been for for Big Ten play in a while. Like, when's the last time they've had four top ten teams in a Unfortunately, like even I like you could have a week ago counted Iowa, right? But that's like incredible. That like never happens.
0: No, no, it doesn't. And usually Ohio State is, is far and above everybody else. And yeah, they're a the top ranked team. And yeah, they're rounding in the form. But the only, the only time they were really tested was against Oregon and they lost. They were tested week one against Minnesota. That team stinks. Uh, they they could have they could have slipped there, um, but that was that was a month month and a half ago now. So we just we just got to see what happens, Bob. But Penn State's got to get through uh, through Illinois this Saturday with or without Sean Clifford. I don't I don't know what the status is. Sounds like from from what I've gathered from sources that he might he may dress as an emergency quarterback. Uh, like in a no-shit situation, like we can't beat Illinois with our backup. Um, but it sounds like they're going to roll with uh, Roberson or this kid that's a freshman. I don't know how you say his last name. Christian Velo. It's like an EAUX at the end. But uh, they're splitting reps in practice this week uh, in
1: preparation for the Illini. Where's this kid Roberson from? He's from Jersey. Is he related to the the legend uh that that was L. Roberson. You remember L. Roberson? No. L. Roberson was like this like little like scrambling quarterback at Kansas State back in the day with Bill Snyder and his halfback, or I should say maybe tailback was Darren Sproles and these fucking guys just, like, wreaked havoc on the Big 12 back in the day. And, like, it was, like, incredible. They Every year they're in, like, the freaking Big 12 championship game beating, like, Texas A&M. It was, like, incredible watching these guys play. L. Roberson. I wonder if he's related.
0: Interesting. We'll have to dig that up. I remember Sproles at Kansas State and them being in some some big-time shootouts and a— they were like a juggernaut of an offense. I remember playing like NCAA, whatever year it was, and and picking Kansas State to to light it up with with Sproles and I guess it was L. Roberson at the time. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, I mean, you got you got anything else, Bob? You, you want to get into anything else, or should we shut it down?
1: No, I mean, I I guess. Uh I don't know. I mean, I, maybe let's just spend a few minutes talking baseball here. Obviously, the Red Sox-Astros uh, series is going on. Braves, um, Braves-Dodgers, Braves, Braves with two dramatic walk-off wins back-to-back. Um, the baseball's been fun to watch. I think more so the Braves and Dodgers series in, in terms of the championship series. But the thing that, that stands out to me is, like, how stupid are these? Are these fans that thought the Phillies were even in the same class as the Atlanta Braves?
0: They're one piece away. They're just one piece away.
1: Yeah, a closer or a bullpen or this or that. I mean, there were there were people talking about, uh, and I think I sent you the video of, of a, a, a WIP producer, uh, and and uh, not to go in on the guy, right? Because what these producers do is they produce the show. Because there are no talent hack, and then as a passion project, they end up doing a little podcast, uh, a, 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 a puff piece podcast for their favorite organization, in this case the Philadelphia Phillies, and this guy released a video when um, when when Reese Hoskins went down, and said, "Oh, as, we need Reese to come back for the for the NLCS." I, I guess I'd just ask, is he is he healthy yet? Oh my God! Yeah.
0: I mean, these people are delusional.
1: Delusional, delusional, and uh, it's it's like watching a different sport watching these four teams play compared to the Phillies. And uh, tonight we'll get it, we'll get a treat. Um, Everybody listening will uh, will have watched it, but the guy on the bump that we're all gonna watch and see.
0: Oh man, I forgot about this.
1: (laughs) Slick Nick Pavetta.
0: Couldn't get it done in Philly, but he's freaking mowing them down in Boston in the postseason.
1: Coming in and, in high leverage situations from the bullpen and fucking pumping his chest and this and that and pumping his fist and um, yeah, he's he's getting the start tonight. I mean, I'd love to watch him just get absolutely rocked.
0: Yeah, it might be it might be a financial opportunity now that now that we're talking about. It. We're talking Tuesday. You'll hear this Wednesday, but Tuesday night. Uh, Astros Red Sox game four in Bean Town. Uh, Pavetta goes for the Red Sox. I'm I'm looking at the Astros tonight.
1: Yes, that's all, that's all I got on baseball. But figured figured I mentioned it's been it's been good to watch the particularly the Braves and, and Dodgers. So uh, yeah, it's just I don't. I mean the Phillies. I don't I don't see a path forward for them to.
0: No, anybody that, that that has tried to tell anyone that they're one piece away or two pieces away, I mean, they, they got holes everywhere. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, they might have one, not one piece away or two pieces away. They might have one or two pieces. Like that's it. <laughs>
1: yeah, one piece away. Like they they just have one piece.
0: Yeah, they they have, they have one or two pieces. That's it. But. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've been looking at it a little bit, and it, it is—it's certainly exciting. Um, the playoff baseball and the crowds and the momentum changes and a lot of grand slams for for Boston. So, the Astros got to try to cool that off if they're going to hang around.
1: Yeah, so the other thing that's cool, you know, the high leverage like the high leverage situations, but like I don't know if you've noticed, like there's a a much larger premium on. Base running in the postseason. Um, you saw uh you saw mental mistakes from um what's his name? The the goofy looking guy from the Dodgers who got thrown out in a rundown at third. Um you saw Albies, you know, take a bag when he needed to take a bag. So it's it, even even just the small minute details, like these teams run the base as well. Um, like like In order to win a game, you got to run the bases well. Like the Braves have run the bases magnificently. Their third base coach has like sent guys in like questionable situations, and the guys have been safe with like incredible slides. Even down to the details of like the guy on deck, Jock Peterson, you know, waving at Albie's where to slide, when to get down, et cetera. And you look at this stuff, and it's and it's it's simple, fundamental baseball. But when you watch other teams do it. What it is is you sit back and you think about all the games you watched in May, in June, you're down the shore in July and August. And you think to yourself, I have never seen the Phillies run the bases with this level of aggression, with this level of precision. And it's little things like that that, that maybe go missed over the course of 162 games. But that is the difference between making the playoffs. That is the difference between advancing into the playoffs. And to think that a team is one piece away when from the top of the roster down to the bottom, they can't do something as simple as running the bases is totally mistaken.
0: A lot of holes to fill, a lot of things to fix. But we'll, oh, they'll, they'll
1: get it done the offseason. Don't worry.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll they'll have you ready. They'll be talking about the chase for Red October uh, next July, too, when, when they're sitting at 500 and Third in the division again, or whatever the case may be, but I think that's all all I got on the on the baseball front. I know that's more your swim lane this time of year, but you got anything else there? Nothing. Now you want to you want to shut it down?
1: Shut it down.
0: Now, what do you think about uh, fade the shade this week? I gotta I gotta travel for a wedding this weekend. Um, I I don't want to hide from from the lack of success that we've had. Um, but maybe we'll just post the pics to the Instagram this weekend and we'll call it that and we'll, we'll get back on our our usual cadence next week.
1: Yeah, we'll get the, we'll get the pics posted on Instagram and we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we won't, we won't record a, uh, a pics episode because clearly regardless of travel, whatever logic we're putting together just ain't working. So, uh, maybe if we take it offline, get, get it posted. Um, you know, before, before the, uh, before the games, right. Um, hopefully that leads to a little more success, but I, I don't think it will. I think, you know, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, on Thursday, fade the hell out of whatever the hell we post on Friday or Saturday, just fade it.
0: You heard the man just fade it. That's why we call it fade the shade. But, uh, yeah, those pics will be posted on the Instagram over the weekend for, for you to see, for you to fade, um, for you to critique and, and, uh, shit on they'll be there follow us on instagram follow us on your favorite podcast app spotify apple whatever um thank you for listening have a great week and uh enjoy all the sports it's it's a great time of year we got hockey basketball playoff baseball nfl college football fun never ends um but it will for now we'll talk to everybody next week all right later